We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's not turn there. If you need a Bible, uh, just raise your hand and uh, hopefully we have some to give out. A reminder, anybody who signed up for the Valentine's Day luncheon, couples, it's to this weekend, right? Everyone going? Yes. Reminder, be there or be square, right? Acts chapter 12. Everyone there? Pretty cool chapter um, that we're going to go through. Um, a lot of different situations and challenges that um, have helped me and um, also may help you in your walk as a Christian. Um, only going through the Bible and seeing God's power and knowing how much he cares for us and for his people will give us the strength required to live this life. And I say required because it is a requirement, requirement right, to have strength um, and, and the importance in that close relationship we have with him, uh, with our Lord and Savior. Um, we hear very often here in our fellowship, and in my experience, I have uh, seen my lack of endurance, my lack of obedience, um, my lack of self-control when I don't have that intimate time with the Lord. We need to realize that without God, we are powerless. You guys understand that, right? Um, and on a road that leads to, to pain and regret. I understand the Lord will forgive me for those times where I fail and, and fall short. Um, but it can never replace that time that I lost with him. So hopefully as we go through this chapter, we will see God's hand through it all, along with the um, reality that people and Satan will come against those who love God. So let's get started. We're going to read uh, verses 1. We're going to read all the verses we're going to cover, then we'll come back and um, go over some, some points and highlights that the Lord showed me. All right? Okay, so verse 1. It says, now at the time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of those, some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him into prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter, therefore was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were, when they were fat past the first and second guard posts, they came to the, to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. 
So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting and it was, as, that it was so. So they said it, it was his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. By mo but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, Go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had, stretched, had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace, because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat at his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Pretty cool chapter, huh? Eaten by worms, that's pretty crazy. Um, this Herod here in the book of Acts is uh, the grandson uh, of the Herod of when Jesus was born. Uh, these guys had uh, some serious power issues. Uh, the Herod during the birth of Jesus sent out his soldiers, as you guys know, to kill all the infants under two years, under two years old. Um, and it was said that it wasn't even safe to be one of his own sons. He murdered several of his sons, and I remember Chuck Smith saying it was safer to be his pig than to be his son. So the, the Herod here is Herod Agrippa, grandson of Herod the Great. I'm kind of irrelevant, but just gives you some, some kind of background there. So the all-powerful king had a great idea to go harass uh, um, some of those in the church. You know, it doesn't really say what started the harassment, um, but we can come to the conclusion that he felt threatened by what the Lord was doing during this time. And through reading some commentaries, and it says right there, it says um, that he did this because he saw that it pleased some of the Jews. Like it says in verse 3. He had James killed by the sword. Um, and he continues his game here of man-pleasing and going after Peter. Um, Peter was giving, was uh, kind of given some grace, right? He uh, had a little more time after they captured him uh, because of the, uh, what time it was. It was during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and they weren't allowed to um, have any trials or anything until the Passover was over. Um, but we all know they broke that, that law when they uh, crucified Jesus, right? Um, so Peter was seized, arrested, and put into prison and was watched by four squads of soldiers until the Passover was done. And then they would bring him before the people for his sentence. The King James Version says that he was watched by four quaternions. Can you guys say that? Quaternions. No. All right. This is what it means, uh, quaternions. It says a guard consisting of four soldiers. For among the Romans, this was the usual number of the guard to which the custody of captives and prisoners was entrusted. Two soldiers were confined with a prisoner and two kept guard outside. 
four quaternions of soldiers would be used to guard all one night, one for each of the four night watches. So there was, um, so Peter in prison had two guards chained to him on either arm and two guards outside the cell. And there were four sets of guards that would rotate throughout the night. So how many is that? Four, 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 four. Sixteen. All right. Is it good? Uh, so from a human perspective, we could probably think that Peter was pretty well guarded with no hope of escape. You guys agree? Sixteen. Um, but it says in verse 5 that constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. All right, we have two squads here. That are going to, the two teams that are going to do battle. Um, team number one, we have the king of the land with his four sets of soldiers, with all their battle gear, swords, and whatever they might have in a cell. Shackled to Peter, watching him constantly. Team number two, we have the church. And they were what? Praying for him constantly, right? Which team would you like to be on? Um, you could probably name these teams, the earthly-minded team and the heavenly-minded team. Now, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'll be the first one to admit that I've changed teams, um, been in a different dugout, so to speak, in my life as a Christian. Now, hopefully, as we grow, we become more dependent on the Lord and want to be on his team all the time. But many times... Um, as you guys know, things happen and jump out at us and surprise us that we start depending on our own thoughts and knowledge. You know, what should I do? What's best for me? You know, these occurrences that happen in our lives are, are usually things that are bad uh, or that challenge us. But sometimes they are good things. And some opportunities in our lives that we still need to place at the feet of God for direction to see if he really wants to go in this good earthly direction. Without a doubt, a hard thing to keep established in our life, you know, to be on the heavenly-minded team. Um, but as we will see later, we will see who wins. Can you guys guess who wins? Let's read verse 6 and 9 again. 6 through 9, sorry. This is, And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door, were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. Tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went and followed him. I did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but that he was seeing a vision. The night before Herod was to bring Peter out to, to put him to death, the Lord sends one of his angels to bust Peter out, to, to break him out. Don't you find it hilarious what Peter was doing when the angel came to get him? He was sleeping, right? Uh, there are other times in the Gospels that Peter slept when he shouldn't have. But this is kind of probably a good sleep, huh? Probably a good sleep. It might have been uh, because he felt under the care of God. Uh, but you have to imagine that Peter knew of James's death and probably knew he he was next, that he was next. Only the peace of God could have done that to Peter in a place where we could be sleeping. He could be sleeping at a time like this. And I think you guys know that applies to us too, right? That applies to us. 
Are we at that place that we are at peace being with the Lord? The creator of the universe is when he's always in control. Is he always in control? Even in, the, in extreme cases like this, you know, no doubt it would be hard, but we always have to have that mindset that we are not to fear this life, but fear God instead. Having that godly fear, knowing that he is in control, should always you know, help us to overcome those extreme events in our lives. Definitely only, only something God can provide. You know, so the angel strikes Peter on the side and, and raises him up and says, Arise quickly. Peter's chains fall off him instantly. The angel continues to give Peter instructions and tells him to gird himself, tie his sandals, and to put his garment on and follow him. You know, by these instructions of the angel, we could uh, kind of get the feeling that the angel's in, in a hurry, huh? It is in a hurry. Um, the word gird means to fasten one's belt or, or garment. Uh, pretty much means to get yourself ready. Um, back then, you know, they wore robes, so it wasn't, you know, probably good for running. Um, he tells Peter to prepare himself to get out fast. Now, now, different commentators seem to think that this angel was in a hurry because it was common for, for people um, to do what? To worship them, right? When they were around. So the angel wanted to leave as soon as possible so Peter wouldn't do that. But I don't know. Um, but what I do know is the Lord is always on time, right? He's always on time. Uh, he's never late and never early, right on, and ev- right on time every time. Here and now was the exact time that God made to rescue Peter, to free him. The Lord set me free at the perfect time. Because if it were any later, you know, I would have put it myself and those around me through some real heartache. Uh, nothing could have prepared me to know that my father had a different family for years except the Lord. Nothing could have prepared me to testify in a courtroom that my dad was really my dad, except the Lord. I am sure you can think of events in your life that exactly, that happened exactly at the right time, even after your conversion. Also, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, there will be a time, there will be a time when you are struck and woken up out of your sleep, you know, and those chains will fall down and you will be loosed. Amen? And, and you will have that chance to set, be set free. You know, I can think, you can think of some examples on, in the Bible, right? I can think of Saul, who was, um, who was meant by the Lord on the road to Damascus. Uh, the Bible says that he created havoc in the church. And when the Lord got a hold of him, you know, scales from, fell from his eyes. And he was a new man. And it says that he immediately he preached Christ. That's in Acts chapter 9. And I can think of my, my niece Stephanie. Kind of my daughter, right? Um, but I remember when, when though she gave her life to the Lord, you know, it was, you know, we had invited her to a, um, uh, it was a young young lady's lunch in Calvary Chapel Cornerstone. You know, and she said yes, but she forgot. <laughs> and then um, it was that same day, so we're all bummed out. But um, you know what the Lord did? The Lord made her bored. The Lord made her bored. That she called, uh, she never called us, she called and uh, asked us to pick her up, and they reminded her what was going on. She actually went, and she got zapped. She got zapped. And um, she came to live with us and, and started serving, married a rapper, right? Married, married, got married. She didn't even like, like rap music, I don't think. 
But the Lord did. She was crazy then. She's crazy now, but she's crazy for the Lord. Uh, our God is so good to us to meet us right where we need to be, right where we need him to be the most. Um, let's finish up this scene in, in verses um, 9 and 10. 9 and 10. So he went out and followed him. Peter followed the, the, the angel. And he did not know that what was done with the angel was real, but I thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate and that leads to this city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and down the one street, and immediately the angel of the Lord departed for him. You know, Peter follows the angel out of the prison, thinking it was only a vision. Uh, this big iron gate opens up for them, um, and once Peter is safe and down the street, the angel um, splits. Pretty cool, huh? Takes off. This is kind of weird that Peter didn't know that this was real, uh, that he thought it was only a vision. But I think sometimes we get stuck in that situation, too, where we hear of things, miraculous things that the Lord has done in people's lives and sometimes question what the Lord has done, whether it was real or not. You know, we lack the eyes to really believe that God can do anything. So who won the game, the earthly-minded team or the heavenly-minded team? The heavenly-minded team did, right? So Peter is going up to meet up with the winning team now. Uh, let's read verses 11 through 17 again. 11 through 17. Okay. It says, And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter, Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they, um, so they said, It is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep quiet, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. It says in, in um, verse 11, yeah, verse 11, um, that Peter came to himself. I guess you can say uh, when Peter came to his senses, right? Peter came to his senses. This phrase is also used in the parable of the, of the prodigal son. Um, you all remember when he finally spent all of his inheritance, and soon he was eating with, with pigs, right? And then it says that he came to himself. He was like, hey, my father's servants have food, and here I am eating with pigs. Uh, you know, I'm out of here. That's kind of what Peter's mind is. You know, he's like, man, wait, this wasn't a vision. I'm, I'm free. And he admits to himself that he is sure that the Lord has freed him um, by sending his angel. And off he goes to the to the house of prayer. But it's a trip when he gets there, right? When he arrives to the home, the servant girl, Rhoda, meets him, uh, who was so <laughs> overjoyed that she doesn't even open the gate for Peter, uh, but runs back into the house. She's probably younger, huh? Probably a younger girl. Uh, to tell everyone that Peter was here. I wonder what Peter was thinking. He's probably like, man, let me in. But... Uh, when the servant girl tells a group of people that were praying for Peter to be freed, that he was at the door, what did they tell her? 
crazy, huh? He's not there. You're out of your mind. Even weirder, they tell her that uh, you didn't see Peter, but you saw his angel. You know, I'm not sure what, what that what that's all about, but you know, they saw a lot of angels back then, huh? Doing so, I guess they were used to to seeing angels. But um, you know, they finally get out there and they see that it really was Peter, and it says they were all amazed. In Luke 17:6, the Lord the Lord 17:6 says uh, the Lord says that if we have faith like a mustard seed. That he can do miraculous things. They prayed for Peter to uh, to free Peter, but when uh, someone told them it happened, they didn't believe it. You know, I, I know the weapon we have in prayer is really something we need to use and have constant in our lives. We need to believe by faith that God can and will answer our prayers. You know, I'm always telling my kids, uh, my kids, this because you know they pray and ask for things, and and you know, kids pray right, kind of nonchalantly, I guess you can say, but they probably believe more than we do sometimes. Uh, even sometimes the kids in classrooms, that we have, we have prayer before we start to study, and I tell them um, to really believe that God can answer these prayers. Because you know who most of the time they pray for? You guys. You guys all the time. Um, God will, will do, um, God will do what he has planned already you know, um, no matter what the prayer is like. Uh, but praying is something that we need, to, we need to and should rely on as Christians. You know, it's so much easier to pray and ask God for things than to go to the world, right? What would the world do? Give you like a big grab bag full of stuff, right, to, to confuse you even more. Um, here's a quote by somebody. I'm not sure who it was. I forgot to write it down. But it says, earnest prayer... Earnest prayer has power not because it in itself persuades a reluctant God. Instead, it demonstrates that our heart cares passionately about the things of God that God cares about. Fulfilling Jesus' promise, if we abide in if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. John fifteen seven. And in first Timothy two eight it says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told his disciples to, to do what? To watch and pray, lest you, enter, lest you enter into temptation. You know, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mark 14, 38. We are taught here that one of the principles of ministry, you know, uh, are the tools of the ministry, which are what? Tools of the ministry are the word of God and prayer. It, is it better to work with sharp tools or dull tools? Sharp, right? Sharp tools. Um, we need to have those tools sharp and ready. And ready. Um, prayer and, and the word of God. So at the end of this, verse 17, Peter quiets him down and tells him um, all the Lord had done to free him and tells him to go and tell James. Not the James that was killed. So this is another James. Uh, this is the half-brother of Jesus. You know, after that, it says that he leaves to another place, uh, probably to, to lay low. Um, all right, let's see how the other team is doing after all that the Lord did. Let's read verses 18 through 24. Let's read that again. It says, um, Then, as soon it was day, as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him, and not found him, 
he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made blasts the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace, because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal peril, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting the voice of a god and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Verse 18 says that there was no small stir among the soldiers, meaning that there was a big stir. Uh, one other translation says that there was a great commotion among the soldiers. They didn't have a clue what happened to Peter or where he was. And when Herod came out, uh, this dude was upset. He questioned the guards and he looked for Peter himself, you know, like they might have been hiding him or something. Um, you know, back then being a guard was, was a tough job. It was written that um, if you were a guard and you were watching somebody um, and, and he got away, you would receive their punishment. So it says that Herod had the guards put to death. And it doesn't say if it was just those four that were watching him at the time or all of them, but it was probably all of them, um, considering his pride and his power. You know, Herod leaves Judea, and he heads off to Caesarea, probably to regroup and let the commotion die down at his failed attempt to kill Peter. Um, but in going there, you know, he meets his own death um, by the hands of God. These cities, Tyre and Sidon, weren't on good terms with Herod. No one knows why. Um, but the Bible says that Herod was angry with them in, in verse 20. Tyre and Sidon depended on Judea for food from King Herod. So they took this opportunity to try to soften him up. Uh, it says that they came in one accord and made best friends <laughs> with Blastus, the king's aide, and arranged a time to hear from the king. In verse 21, the king comes out all decked out. I read that he was dressed in a robe that was made of pure silver threads. So he's pretty shiny. Uh, he gave them a speech from his throne, and here the people started softening him up. They yelled, the voice of a God and not of a man. Um, the voice of a God and not of a man. Kind of crazy, but we know they didn't really mean it, right? They didn't really mean it. They didn't really believe that. They were just flattering him because they... But because he was their food supplier. They just wanted him, uh, they wanted something from him, and they were depending on a man for their needs instead of the Lord. Again, we could imply that to our lives also. Do we really fully depend on the Lord all the time for everything? Is food expensive or what? You know, every time we go to the market or Sam's, it, the bill just keeps getting more and more and more. But the Lord provides, right, every, every time. Herod took the brunt of this punishment here, though. It says that immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. Why did he die? Because he did not give glory to God. This is very specific, giving glory to God. Here are some references that you guys can write down. <clears throat> Romans 15, 5 through 6, it says... Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one mouth, glorifying the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 
It says that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. One more. 1 Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it to as the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To whom be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We need to be so careful. Um, not to let this happen, right? Not to let people praise us in a way that, that lifts, up, lifts us up to a place where we shouldn't be. We need to always be, be um, giving God the glory for all these things that we have and that he has done in our lives. It is so easy to give ourselves the credit. So easy to give ourselves the credit, especially in the world that we live in where you get awards for everything nowadays, huh? Get awards for everything. It shouldn't be I did it. It should be that God has done it. God has done it. Um, here's what Matthew Henry said about Herod, you know, when all this uh, happened. It says, These undue praises he took to himself, pleased himself with them, and prided himself in them. And this was his sin. We do not find that he had given any private orders to his confidants to begin such a shout or to put those words into the mouths of the people, nor that he returned them thanks for the compliment and undertook to answer their opinion of him. But his fault was that he said nothing, did not rebuke their flattery, nor disown the title they had given him, nor did he give glory to God. Whatever you have, give glory to God. Whatever you have done, give glory to God, right? We don't want to end up like Herod. Uh, never liked worms. He's like worms. No. It doesn't really say that if it was done, you know, right then, you know, eaten by worms or some uh, commentator said he got like this intestinal thing and then died a few days later. Uh, but either way, you know, the Lord struck him down and took him off his throne. Verse 24 it says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. God's word grew and multiplied, even in the death of this cruel king. Um, all right. Um, in this chapter, we talked about a few different things. Um, and I couldn't really pinpoint a, a theme. We talked about prayer and really believing God will answer. And we talked about the Lord meeting us and freeing us at a specific time. We talked about being on the, you know, the, those teams, the heavenly-minded team and not on the earthly-minded team. Uh, and we ended up with uh, giving glory to God. You know, that, that was what the Lord gave me uh, in this study, but um, you know, I listened to a few studies uh, online and, and reading different commentaries. And, and there was something that all of them, sh all of them shared, um, which I think sh should be mentioned because they're way smarter than I am. Um, but a thing they, they said was, uh, why James and not Peter. Why was James martyred and Peter saved? Good question. Um, do we know why? No, we don't know why, right? Must we know why? We don't, right? Uh, what we do know is that God chose. Correct? God chose. Uh, was there a difference between Pe James and Peter? Uh, Peter, James, and John were always close to the Lord. When Jesus was transfigured, who was there? Peter, James, and John 
on the Mount of Olives, who was there? When Jesus was healing a girl, who did he allow to in the room besides the parents, Peter, James, and John? Uh, they were both loved and used by the Lord, but one, one's time was shorter than the other. Uh, Deuteronomy, uh, you can write this down, Deuteronomy thirty twenty, That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. Psalm one thirty nine sixteen says, Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed, and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Are we comfortable with that? That the Lord is in control of all the days of our life. Uh, and all those crazy things going on, like, like Henry had mentioned, even today, tonight. Um, you know, I pray that I am comfortable with the Lord being in control all the time. You know, as far as James, do you think he was complaining? I mean, he's with the Lord, right? He's with the Lord. It was all a part of God's sovereign will. Uh, when our work is done here on earth for the Lord, he'll take us out, right? Are you guys comfortable with that? And so, so in the meantime, uh, give glory to God, right, in everything, and work hard for him. Amen? All right, thanks for listening, guys. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and uh, we just thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, and um, I thank you, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I pray you bless them, Lord, uh, watch over them, Lord. Um, may we give you all the glory, Lord, um, for our families, Lord, for our marriages, Lord, for our friends, Lord, for our fellowship here, Lord. Um, you've done the work. Um, you will continue, Lord, with us or without us, Lord. Um, help us to know that you are in control Lord, of uh, our lives and help us Lord, to be obedient, Lord, uh, in the calling that you've given us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to um, be an example, Lord, to those around us, Lord, in our homes, Lord, and in these classroom, Lord, classrooms, Lord, in between these walls, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you give us courage, Lord, to speak for you, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for being able to serve you, Lord, um, however many days we have left, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for answering prayer, Lord, um, for all the things you've done in my life, Lord. Uh, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Um, thank you for the work that you've done, Lord, here in Calvary Chapel Almighty, Lord. Lord, we pray you continue, Lord, uh, with our past, Lord. Refresh him, Lord. Watch over him, Lord. And we just continue, Lord, to, to um, look to you, Lord, for, uh, for wisdom, Lord, and guidance, Lord, in, in um, every aspect of our life, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Jesus, let me pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.